Hello and welcome to this episode of Talking With The Wounded, where veterans talk us through the moment that their life changed, their military careers were changed and the repercussions thereafter. My guest today is none other than Alex Harrison. Hello. Alex, thank you very much for agreeing to do this. Let's start with your journey. Cool, let's get into it. So, you decide to join the army at what age? 16. You're living in? Lincoln. And that's home, that's where you've been brought up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, fam my family first started out in the sticks, out in Horncastle. Then my mum and dad split up, and the uh, result of that was me and my mum living in Lincoln. So you're living and schooling in Lincoln, and you decide the army's the way ahead for you. Is that because there's a family connection with the military? No, it's just I'll be brutally honest, it's because of the rough, rough upbringing that I had with the separation of my parents and other stuff that was going on in amongst my youth yeah uh, so it's it was an escape a uh, way of getting out of the situation to try and create a better situation and better living environment so you're you're living on a rough council estate or something and you're not exactly a model student at school is that what you're saying yeah i was i was i was a bit of a rough student because i actually have quite heavy dyslexia and at the time, my school I went to really didn't like getting kids tested for it. So they refused to test me for sure. dyslexia. But then I joined the army and two weeks into being an arrogant, I was told that I was severely memory dyslexic. So the school just thought you were disruptive. Yeah, just pain in the ass. So you get out of school and you go to Harrogate Army Foundation College. Yeah, yeah. so I was at, Finish Har I was at Harrogate for a year doing... Uh, my phase one training yeah. and further education and then once I finished that I then went to Catrick and did a 10 weeks infantry training. At what stage you did you choose to be a grenadier? Uh, as soon as well I when I was going through teenage years I joined the army cadet force okay. and I was capped by grenadier guards at that. Oh right. Uh, so the seed was yeah, sown. The seed was sown yeah because you, when you're in a cadet you have to learn about the regiment you're capped badge to and on learning about all the ceremonial stuff and the fact that you know you, you're twice the man in the grenadiers it just really appealed for me from a really young age so uh, the seed was sown and i was i was committed to uh, going to the grenadiers so as soon as i went in the recruiting office at 15 and a half years old i joined i walked in and said yeah i want to join the grenadiers and that was it and what was the cat badge set opposite you in the in the uh, career it was a grenadier you see it always happens like that weirdly yeah. enough Quite yeah. a lot of the people we interview on this podcast seem to end up in the regiment that whoever sat behind the desk yeah. s sells them the dream. Yeah, yeah. But you already went in with the dream. Yeah, I already knew what I was going to do. <laughs> so you joined the Grenadiers in 2004, aged 17 now. Yeah, 17 then, yeah. And you go straight to... Nine-Megan Company that was based in Wanton Barracks in London. And you're straight into ceremonial stuff. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, that's everything from... Trooping the colour, Guard of Honours for state visits, changing the guard at Buckingham Palace, yeah. Tower of London, St James's Palace, Windsor, Windsor Castle. Castle. So you're doing all of that, and at the same time, a bit of green soldiering. Yeah, because while I was at Nine Main Company, I, I did camping patrol. Yeah, that's um, a tough gig. Which, for anybody that doesn't know, it is known as the hardest military competition in the world. Yeah. 
I've had the joy of doing that myself. Not, yeah. that, not that I'm bragging, but I've come away with gold. That's better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well done. Chapeau. Okay, so you're there. You're doing a lot of ceremonials. Any fun stories with the royals? Bump into them a bit? Uh, yeah, well, being Queen's Company later in, in my career, I come across a lot of them. But while I was in our main company, I was on guard at Windsor Castle while I was there, it was a baking hot day and uh, Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh came out and uh, walked past me and I've, I've come to, you know, did a general salute and he was like, blimey, you must be bloody hot boy. Um, <laughs> so he, yeah, so he, he took my bearskin and my rifle off me, put it on the floor. Well, I say put it, he basically just threw it on the floor and then uh, like trotted off inside for some reason at that point I didn't know and all I could think at that moment in time was if my guard commander comes around the corner and sees that I've got my weapon and my bearskin on the floor my bollocks are gonna be hanging but luckily they didn't and Prince Philip come back with a jug of water and a glass and, and told me to get some hydration in me so that was yeah that was pretty cool and then he, he sort of disappeared off into the garden happy days yeah. leaving you with the jug and the glass yeah yeah, looking very sheepish. Still hoping that my guard commander didn't come around the corner when I stood there, supposedly on guard, just cragging <laughs> away at some water. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, well, that's that's pretty unusual for a 19-year-old lad from Lincoln. It, it was very unusual, yeah. So you then move on from there and you join the 1st Battalion Grenadier Guards based down in Windsor in 2005. I joined the Queen's Company, yeah. So you're with them and yeah battalion moved to Aldershot getting right. ready to um, sort of build up and start doing pre-deployment training for Iraq Optelic, yeah. so you get deployed with the Queen's Company yeah this is your first operational tour yeah gonna get a medal on your chest off you go yeah it was yeah it's quite surreal to be fair because you always want to do that when you join the army but when it actually comes to being deployed and going on a tour especially one like the middle east iraq it's it's as a as a 18 year old at the time i was a bit overwhelmed a bit oh shit what have i got myself into yeah okay (laughs) and you've filled out the insurance form you've written the will you've jumped on the plane yeah you're off to war this is it said said goodbye to me loved ones and yeah got on a plane and see what happened yes so you're 18 and how did that tour go it was pretty i call it boring because nothing really happened we went up to baghdad for the first six weeks just ushering five-star generals around doing supply runs back and forth to the to the airport other than that nothing and baghdad a nice place to be in or was it pretty hot at the time i don't mean temperature wise i mean you know uh, the threat. there was plenty of stuff going on but we didn't have an awful lot to do with it. We we were strictly there to to sort of chaperone the five star generals around to meetings around the green zone. Gotcha. Yeah. The the ride in though was pretty pretty interesting because we flew into Baghdad Air International Airport on yeah. a on a Herc, I think. And then from that we got on a, a Black Hawk. Uh, American, yeah, American Black Hawk into the green zone and that, So you're just thinking Black Hawk down, this is it. Well, I'm 18, yeah. it's... Full. I mean, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of flying anyway. Yeah, so I was pretty nervous of flying. I still am today, to be fair. But yeah, getting onto a Black Hawk with the doors wide open, the helicopter was bouncing over the top of buildings, doing tactical flying. 
uh, so you're thinking, you're thinking right this is up, it yeah. we're real yeah okay and it was yeah it was real baptism by fire yeah. so then you move out to Basra uh, yeah moved down to just outside Basra which is a Shiba logistics base yeah and uh, what are you doing down there we were stagging on the POW camp, which is prisoner of war camp. Stagging on for those of you not in the military means. Oh yeah, yeah, being on guard. Yeah, we did. We did security for the prisoners yeah, security, of war camp. Yeah, that's about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we were, you're you're yeah. stopping people getting in, or you're stopping people getting out. Both. Okay. I can't really talk. I'm not, I'm not allowed to talk about that. Of course you're not. No. But yeah, so yeah, yeah okay. That's what we were doing the latter end of that. Yeah. We yeah. did go on uh, a few foot patrols. Just clearing outside Perimeters. the wire we, we had a farmer shoot at us and that's about as interesting as it got okay <laughs> so that tour ends yeah you come home safe and sound somebody pins a medal on your chest yeah and you're thinking all right so you're yeah. back to the battalion yeah back to battalion and it's now back end of 2006 yeah. and yeah so you're told to turn around and go again so yeah, so we uh, when we got back, we were straight on four weeks post tour leave. Yeah. And then as soon as we got back that first week, we was told we're going to Afghanistan in 2007. There was a bit of a shake out for a couple of weeks where everyone was getting a bit panicky and thinking, oh shit, we've just got back from a tour. We need to do some training. It's going to be a completely different tour. Because the intel at the time was, it was very, very hot. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and kinetic. Yes, uh, in in Afghanistan at that time, so we was we was all getting a bit twitchy and a bit nervous. That okay, no, this is what we joined the army for. We are infantiers. Let's go do infantry stuff. Yeah, and um, and then yeah, a couple of weeks went by, and we were told that uh, they're sending a section of grenadiers from each fighting company over to the Viking Battle Group, First Battalion, Royal Anglians, and I was on the Queen's Company section, so. So yeah. So you're a section of grenadiers. You get attached to a platoon at the Royal Anglians. Yeah. Yeah. So it was yeah literally straight on to uh, pre-deployment training. So um, you go through all of that, and when you deploy to Afghanistan. Yeah, April two thousand and seven. Op Herrick. Six. Six. Many yeah. Yeah. And where do you go? Well, we fly into Bastion, and then we, we had a very quick turnaround. There's no climatization or fuck all. <laughs> um, we were straight on a on a Chinook yeah. up to Kajaki, the forward operating base. We had a, a company of British, which was the Anglians, which we was attached to, and then there was a full company of Afghan National Army, which was being taught and coached by the Grenadier Guards. Okay. So what's that like working with the Royal Anglians, having been Grenadier all the time, gone through all your Grenadier training, all your customs, all that sort of thing, or is infantry unit one much the same as the other when you actually get down to it with the blokes and the brass tacks. Um, yeah, I mean, infantry from one unit to the other, the skills and drills are pretty much exactly the same. It's slightly different when it comes to discipline. Culture. Small, yeah, culture and parts thereof. What do you um, mean? Do you mean their discipline is was even more than the ground? <laughs> yeah. Just different. Uh, different. Like, it, was, it, just, it just seemed a bit more relaxed. It yeah. was... You are infantry soldiers. Do just do infantry stuff. Um, where back you know in the Grenadiers you do the ceremonial stuff as, as well. So there's always that, um, awkward, sort of to and fro between the two where you 
you don't really know whether you've come in, going or gone. Yeah. Where in the Anglins, you don't have that. It's, it's what they do all the time. Yeah, yeah. They are just doing what they do all the time. And they're good at it. Yeah, and they're bloody good at it. Yeah. So there you are, Inca Jackie. And what are you doing as a platoon? What is your, what's your day job? Well, when we first got out there, we took over from the Marines. Um, that was interesting because the, the Sergeant Major, Company Sergeant Major from the Marines, as soon as we touched down, and the Marines got on the Chinook to go back. The Sergeant Major did the handover takeover and he was like, yeah, let's let's get you out and pick a fight. And we was a bit like, sorry, sorry, what? Come, come again? <laughs> he was like, yeah, yeah, we'll take, I'll take you out to, uh, to where, where, you know, where you can pick a fight. And we was like, okay, like, cool. Are we not going to do any training first? Or are we just, okay, no, we're going to just get straight into it. Okay. So yeah, literally that afternoon, we was out on the ground having a, a, a long-distance uh, trading match of bullets with the Taliban. Two-way range? Yeah, two-way range. So You're going out on patrol. What's the, the objective? Are you, you, you're you trying to dominate the ground? Oh, so, yeah, you, so the, the objective of being in Kajaki was yeah. to keep a two-kilometre bubble minimum around the Kajaki Dam so the Taliban can't get hold and control the dam. So Kajaki Dam is a, a hydro, hydrostatic dam that provides power for the rest of Helmand province. Okay, so it's so an it's, important it's a very, asset. Yeah, very important asset. And, we was, and you're yeah. making sure the Taliban, A, can't blow it up, or B, get control of power and yeah. decide who gets what. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. And, and they're quite keen on getting it, are they? We was told that, yeah. I mean, they, they never got anywhere close to it while we was there. Yeah, so, we, so you're patrolling a zone around this and dominating the trying to dominate the ground or just show a force really so like the geography of Kajaki in FOB is is at the bottom of three peaks of a mountain range then three peaks have got observation points on top yeah and have you seen the film Kajaki yes by the powers yes that's they was on them three peaks. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. So the the uh, the fob is at the base of them. Yeah. yeah. MFOPs, and we was, so there's only two ways you can go out of the camp. You go over the Helmand River. Yeah. And across, uh, sort of northbound, and the other side is going south around the bottom of the mountain, staying on the same side as the river, and going down into K- Kajaki Sofla. Okay. Because uh, everything else is mountains, yeah, uh, or a big reservoir. So funneled so, in, yeah. So it's, it's it's And do you do you, do you think? I mean, I certainly know from from some of my experiences in the military. Sometimes the objective seems to have been lost on the enemy, and that we just become the target because we're there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So they they. I don't think... I, they're picking well, a fight with you because yeah. you're there, not because they're going, well, if we own that yeah, piece they, of high ground and that, that's then we exactly can, it, get, yeah. don't, we can I take don't think over they, the dam. I don't think they... Well, I think they knew they did have not have a chance of getting anywhere close to that dam. So they, you know, whenever we went out on the ground, they'd just pick a fight with us and try and get as many casualties as, as, they, as, could. as they could. Try and wait, yeah. yeah. So, so... You're straight into it. You worked out it's a two-way range. Yeah. You're out on patrol. Give us a very briefly. You're you're, you're living conditions. You're so or or are it you was, thinking? It was all right. It was, it was a bit exposed to the elements, but because of the Taliban being pushed back as far as they was, there was the only the only real threat was mortars, uh-huh. but that we only got mortared once, and that was it. So um, yeah, we didn't even concentrate about 
didn't even think about that really. Yeah. But like the living conditions, we was was in it's like a old military accommodation and we was in four man rooms. It's that's a dog trying to get in. Never mind. Yeah, so uh, we was in four man rooms with high top, high level windows on the walls, which to be fair wasn't an awful lot of light getting in them because yeah. it was all sandbagged up. Yeah. You know, you're getting well fed. Yeah, yeah, we had we had we had a combat chef, combat chef. I don't think no, an army chef. <laughs> combat chef. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't yeah, think right. combat and chef go in the same <laughs> sentence, do they? But um, yeah, we had a chef out there with us who was pretty was pretty cool. He he, uh, he was doing meals out of ten man rash pack ration packs. We've been joined by the dog. So so life's pretty good. Life's comfortable in there, but you are baptism of fire. Yeah, straight. In You've had your season. contacts. Yeah. yeah, it was all it was all pretty chilled until about day three. Oh and right, okay. that's when we took our first casualty. Okay, so your first casualty is this is in your section in your platoon. It was the support element. Okay, he was uh, he was the fifty cal gunner on one of the vehicles. Yeah, and he was we was out on patrol, and a sniper took a pop shot at the driver missed the driver and the round went through the gunner's pelvis luckily missing absolutely everything vital okay so yeah it, it was very lucky but also a very good eye-opener no pun intended to the rest of us that casualties are gonna happen this stuff's real yeah it's, the enemy's it's, real we're not playing call of duty anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. people have yeah. got the potential to yeah. go to sleep and never wake up again. Yeah. So you're out doing your thing. Yeah. You're confident. The team's working well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been in contact a few times. And then, yeah. So let's talk about your moment. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> Bearing in mind that, you know, this is talking with the wounded. So yeah, yeah. the clue's in the title. It is, yeah. So Alex, is, Alex is wounded. Um, so... You're out on a normal patrol. Uh, yeah, normal fighting patrol. We were early morning, late at night. What? what so set yeah, the scene. It was early, early morning, really early morning. We went out under cover of darkness. Um, on cold. It. it was fresh. Yeah, because what it must have been three, four o'clock in the morning when we set out onto the ground, and we was on foot, so we was tabbing out onto the ground, tabbing out about four k. Yeah, carrying all our because kit. you're out for a long for the for the day. As long as it as long as it takes. So our objective that day was to clear or find, clear and deny enemy trench systems and tunnel systems that the Taliban have been digging in and using to pop up and sort of attack. Yeah, attackers effectively. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, we was uh, set off under the cover of darkness, like I said. Got out on the ground just as the sun was starting to come up. We we launched our assault onto a particular set of compounds, and that co- that set of compounds. These are these are mud walled. Yeah, housing. Mud, yeah, mud wall housing. So like a big exterior wall, with like individual rooms in built into them exterior walls and gardens and divider walls and all sorts. Courtyards and what have you. Courtyards and stuff. Yeah. So and this uh, is all dusty tracks in between the buildings and. Our main mode of transport was walking through the wadis which are dried up riverbeds because yep. uh, we was we was when we was out there it was beginning of the hot season so there was no rainfall yep. snow caps have already melted as much as they're going to melt riverbeds are dry yeah 
so yeah so that's how we sort of got about and that's what yeah. we used to navigate there was there was one or two roads but nothing yeah. to sort of sing and dance about so you get into clearing these buildings yeah yeah so the uh, buildings that was went into there was mortar the day before so one of the walls that we was the side of the wall that we was approaching from had been like we collapsed so it was just a pile of rubble um and i was point man in my section and this is a, so you're not in contact yet or you're, no, you're, you're no, not, no, not in contact yet. You're just walking up to these buildings. Uh, briskly walking, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but <laughs> you know that that's before. an enemy enemy. Yeah, we, we, yeah, location. Because of the OPs on the top of the mountain, we can see where the Taliban are. Yeah. And so we knew where we, where we was going. We knew what we needed to do. Yeah. Um. So it was, yeah, it was just a case of get there and do what infantry do best. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we approached through the broken wall and... I was first one in, and first cleared the first uh, first room, bounced on the second, fine, cleared that, bounced on the third, and there was a hole in the back of it, a tunnel going out the back of the room, so we uh, so I just sat and watched that while the rest of the platoon moved through to clear the rest of the compound, all going smoothly until the platoon signaler uh, got confused and went through the wrong doorway. And that's when all hell broke loose. The Taliban opened up. They were laying in wait. The platoon signaler got shot twice. Once through the uh, his love handle, and once through the top of his shoulder. Again, missing everything vital is, as he called it, mere flesh wound. And uh, yeah, and then that's when the ante was ramped up massively. Yeah, so it's all hell broken loose. There was a trade of gunfire. PG fire, grenades being thrown at each other. It, yeah. And it's all quite close. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. The enemy was only, oh, less than hundred meters away, shooting at us from other compounds and stuff, yeah. and and waiting for us. Uh, while all that's going on, I'm still looking at this hole, thinking there's going to be a grenade coming through there any time, any time. My my asshole is twitching. Yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah, I was I was getting very nervous. Very <laughs> nervous. So you fancied moving? Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I I wanted off that hole to go do something else. Uh, what I didn't quite anticipate is that our section was voluntold to take the first bounce forward. Voluntold. I love that. Yeah, voluntold. Voluntold. Yeah. yeah, you never get volunteered. You never get told. It's always voluntold. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So. We got we got a briefing from the platoon sergeant, and as we were looking out, the this door, is to take the first bounce to go. Yeah, we're we're gonna take, go yeah, going to go going to the enemy. First bounce forward, take the fight to the enemy. Yeah, um, we uh, yeah. So I got the briefing off off the platoon sergeant, and as we was looking out the same doorway, the platoon signal went through. He was pointing across the courtyard. He sort of bit like a bit of a section between one, two, about five different compounds. Yeah, and there was a bit of a, like an opening inside it, and. Um, he uh, yeah, told me, right, that big compound across the way, that's the one I want you to go in. And I stuck my head out and had a quick look around, saw halfway across the opening was a really small compound, probably two metres by two metres, not big at all. Yeah. And I said to the platoon sergeant, I said, oh, do you want me to clear that first and then bounce onto the big one? Because we don't know where the gunfire is coming from. And he, was, he, was, he said to me, and it's a decision he regrets to this day, no, it's too small. There's going to be no one in there. Just hit the big compound. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and as I was stood there looking at this doorway, 
I just felt it in my stomach and I was like, right, shit's about to go down. Time to put my big boy pants on, be a fucking soldier. Okay. Because I already knew what was coming. It, it, I just, I don't know, sixth sense kicks in and you just, I don't know, it just, I just knew it was going to happen. The odds, ca- the yeah. odds calculator in the back of the mind again. Yeah. The odds have just ramped. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so despite all of that, off you trot. Yeah. With your thinking, section, you're yeah, the point man. Given my countdown and we was off, so we went out the doorway, took a shot right down the front of the compound we was occupying. Yeah. We was running across the front. Yeah. And um, so yeah, and then as I ran past the f- doorway of that small little compound, I've been told to ignore. Yeah. Uh, Salomon was sat in there waiting and opened up first round, went through my helmet, in my temple. This is in the right-hand side of yeah, your right, head. Yeah, right-hand side of my head. Yeah, went through my helmet, in my temple, bounced off the bottom of my eye socket and came out. Came out where your eye... Yeah, out my eye, out my eye hole. Yep. Yeah, out my eye socket, Okay, yeah. so you're the, you're, the, you're the lead man, so you presumably hit the deck. Yeah, it took me clean off my, off my feet. The rest of my section tucked in behind the sort of... The little wall. Yeah, the, the wall. Yeah. Like, our side of that compound. Yeah. And then they just started dropping fucking grenades over the wall. Because the wall was only about six foot high. Um, so they know, they've watched you run. You've taken a round from the right-hand side into the head. Yeah. From the doorway. So they now know in the small compound that we're all told to ignore before yeah. we get to the big one is where the enemy are. So they then got to, they've got to suppress the fire, right? Yeah, so they 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 they're fucking lobbing. So you're lying on the ground at this stage going what's just happened? Well, at first I thought it was an RPG round it hit the wall. Like I was running cuz yeah. how they work is they yeah. they arc out, don't That's they? That's right. Yeah. So I thought an RPG had hit the wall and it had taken half my face off cuz the right-hand side of my face had just gone completely numb. Yeah. I couldn't feel any of it. Got myself on my hands and knees. And I sort of, holy shit, what the fuck? Went to feel my ha- feel my face with my hand. Yeah. As I did that and pulled my hand away, that's when the blood started dripping. And I was like, ah, this is not good. I can't feel my face. There was blood coming out of a hole somewhere. I need to get the fuck out of here. Have you got a headache? No, it was just numb. No, no, no. Like, that's, like people think it hurts. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't hurt. Getting, getting shot in such a sensitive area of your body it doesn't hurt okay so that your line that the guys are now chucking grenades you're under contact yeah. you're on all fours going shit <laughs> this isn't good i need to get out of yeah, here yeah uh, at some point while i was doing and doing that and going through that process a grenade went off and got me in my ass cheek so i got a bit of shrapnel in my ass cheek so you're because well. you're, you're still in front of the doorway yeah, to a degree, yeah. And the boys are chucking grenades in, so so you've been shot on the side of the head, and now you get shrapnel yeah. in the arse yeah. because of one of their grenades. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, so while I was on, still on my hands and knees, I uh, checked my legs, you know, like a good infantry soldier does, to make sure that they're still attached and still working. And uh, As I checked my legs, a green tracer round went through my trousers just inside. Not close enough to hit me, but close enough to burn me. So I've got a little scar just inside my leg here somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that fizzes through. Who yeah. who who shot who who? That that was Taliban. Okay. So he's, he's still having a pop at you. Oh yeah, because what their their plan? Well, looking back now, I know what the plan was, but at the time I was like not fucking clear. But 
um, yeah, so what they were doing is they was just suppressing fire around me, keeping me where I where I was. Yes. So in the hope that somebody was going to come fucking grab me and then get them as well. Yeah. Didn't happen like that because I think they bit off more than can chew by because by this point there's another section on the compound that we'd already cleared and they was laying in hard just absolute belt feeding the enemy yeah so yeah so that gave me the opportunity to to get up on my feet and get to the wrong side of the doorway and then just as i got the countdown from the section on the roof behind us uh, he was counting three two one i wasn't the i wasn't waiting for go i went and a red phosphorus grenade went off get a bit of red phosphorus just underneath my nose and which is presumably now you're now inhaling yeah, I was, yeah. Smoky, but let's, yeah. but, but this is burning out your nose, is it? Yeah, yeah, just underneath my nose. Yeah, just burn. Yeah, just burning. Um, Foss. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and people always ask me like, "Well, what's red foss?" And it's like the best way to describe it. It's like magnesium, but you don't light it. It just ignites on oxygen. Just loves oxygen. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah just and it can't put it out. So, you can, you yeah. can. Yeah. So yeah, that was burning. I breathed all that in. That burnt all my airways. Okay, and, so yeah. shot in the head, not quite enough. Yeah, shrapnel in the arse cheek, still not enough. Around through the leg, leg. still not still enough. Not enough, and then got a bit of red foss just to top it all off. Okay. Yeah, and then while I was running back, uh, so you're so wait a minute, you you have you picked up your rifle and your helmet? Oh no, my helmet's still on my head. Okay. My rifle that's uh, got fucked off because yeah. I I did reach out for that, but about thirty enemy rounds bounced off, and I thought, nah, I don't need that anymore. I'm going home. So you crawl over to get your rifle, but think, no, 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 this, yeah. it's attracting too much attention. Yeah. So you left that. You just left it, yeah. So then you leg it back to the blokes. Yeah. So because get... you know where they are, so you're not yeah. you're not totally disorientated. No, no. And as far as you are concerned, you can see because yeah. you've got an eye and, that works. And as, at some point within all of that, I I looked, I got my head up and had a good look around, see what the hell was going on, and that's when I saw the three enemy positions that was basically just peppering the area that we was in yeah and then so because of because i saw where the enemy were i got back to the platoon sergeant which i was met by the so you're able doctor. to run you're, you're you're able to run still yeah yeah you're, you're, yeah, you're... I, was, I was fully in control what? of what was going on yeah but you you know you've got something wrong in your ass yeah something my, wrong with my, my leg ar- my ass cheek hurts and breathing's not properly and i can't see very well yeah but but the, the sight didn't really register. To but I can. But I can. Yeah. I know where I'm going, yeah. and I'm getting there. So you get to the platoon sergeant. Yeah, get met by the, uh, the combat doctor that was out on the ground with us, which I think was very fortunate because if it wasn't for him, I would have injected myself with morphine. Because on the run back, I'd managed to get my auto injector out my combat uh, trousers. And you're pocket. reaching for this because it's beginning to hurt. No, it's more that there's blood coming from somewhere. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I'm getting high. I'll t- <laughs> a- a- automatic response morphine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, so yeah. he grabs a hold of you and goes... Yeah, so as I was running back, I got my auto-injector out, got it primed, ready to stick in my leg as I walked back in the doorway, or ran in the doorway, as he grabbed my arm and says, no, you can't have that, you're a head injury. No morphine for heads. Yeah, so no morphine for me, and I was gutted. And so yeah, so he so then he whipped my helmet off, whacked the first field dressing on my on my noggin to try and soak some of that blood up, and then because I couldn't breathe properly, he had my body armor off as well because he was looking for a sucking chest wound. So I was laid, well, propped up against the wall, 
with nobody or how helmet on while all the house is fucking breaking loose next to me yeah um, and at that point the platoon sergeant was sort of looking really confused and like well where the fuck is the casualty what the fuck is going on and i beat me being the casualty i sort of waved them over and i was like look no sir there's enemy and because of the airways i couldn't talk properly so then i drew a map in in the, in the sand um I think I, I thought I did it with my finger, drew a map in the sand with my finger, but apparently I did it with a spent round, an empty case. So yeah, so I drew a map in the sand of the three enemy positions, the compound where we. Whilst were. the dock is patching you yeah, up. Yeah, while the dock is sorting, yeah, sorting me out. <laughs> yeah, to try and just basically relaying information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Because <laughs> you know, at that point, I was the only bloke to go that far forward. So, so you, and you'd seen. Yeah, it. and I've seen where the enemy were and. Yeah, I so knew you the pass situation. this on, the platoon sergeant worked out you're the casualty. Yeah. And the doc's patching you up. At what moment do you go, oh, I think I might have lost an eye here? Oh, fucking, I didn't wake, not until I woke up. So so when you say not until you woke up, you're, what, what, so what happens next? You, t- you, you told the platoon sergeant, this is where the enemy are, you've drawn in the map. Yeah. And then the decision was made from high echelon that we, we are out. getting the fuck out of there. This is too. too but are they not casivacking you out now? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I start getting casivacked. Uh, at that point, that's when I start losing consciousness uh, due to blood loss. Huh. Um, so I'm in and out of. Does the doc know that you've got shrapnel yeah. in your ass and you, yeah, yeah, because yeah, you've told it, him everything. Yeah, because once he, yeah, when he, he was looking breathe. for my uh, sucking chest wound that I didn't have, I was like, no fucking bollocks of that. Sort my ass cheek out. That really hurts. So he, he was like, what? Because it's literally like a five millimeter bit of shrapnel in my ass cheek that wasn't very deep at all. Painful. Yeah, but it Pain. was painful. Yeah, so he was just like looking at me like, what the fuck, Alex? Like. The, <laughs> Shut the f- like. Yeah, let me yeah, do yeah. my job. So he's. Well, he, but, but he, but he's also looking at something which you haven't quite maybe realised. Yeah, that's well. Yeah, that's. He's going. This is point. a major head injury. Yeah, major head injury. Yeah, this yeah. dude's just tanked to seven point six two to the forehead. Yeah, um, and he doesn't seem bothered about it. <laughs> so, so you then start passing out, and they. Yeah. Do so, you know what the Kazivac was? What did they? Uh, so yeah, so I got the platoon sergeant, ironically was the one that started casvacking me he had me on his day sack and he was running across the um, well he slung you over his shoulder yeah i was yeah fireman's lift on the yeah. top of his day sack over his shoulders and yeah. he was he was running across a poppy field and he took two rounds about three inches underneath me into his day sack and body armor which then obviously knocked him over so they're still having a pop at you while you're being yeah. Yeah. extracted yeah. and the platoon sergeant's now taking two rounds to the back but he's yeah. got his body armor and his yeah, so lucky it didn't hit you. Yeah, because I had yeah I had fuck all on. I was literally skin and t shirt. Yeah, yeah, because they've stripped that off. You're looking yeah. for your, your injuries. Yeah, so uh, yeah. So they're they're still and cracking at you while you're legging it away. Yeah, so that's so that, he, he yeah, you we, all fall down. Yeah, we we both hit the floor, and that's when I sort of come back round again because of the I'm assuming just the jolt. Yeah, and that's that's when I'm sort of I remember sort of laying looking up at the blue sky, and poppy heads just popping over the top of me what what, as the rounds are hitting them yeah so yeah so yeah i now know that was the rounds hitting the poppies while i'm laid on the deck looking up at the blue sky thinking is this it yeah well i don't know what the fuck i was thinking i was also sort of thinking why are them poppy heads exploding what 
what is going just like this yeah, and then this is where the confusion starts because yeah. I passed out somewhere else woke up somewhere else and I was just a bit confused of like what the actual fuck is yeah, going yeah, on yeah 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 um, so, so for, for sort of I guess for civilians it's like that first 10 seconds coming out of a general anaesthetic you went in one room you come out of another yeah. you've got nowhere what you, you, yeah, you, you can't it, yeah. compute what's going on for yeah, a split that's second that's at the exactly beginning. yeah you yeah, lost yeah. all functionality so, yeah. and awareness of where who so how what. do you get out the poppy field i'm assuming i got picked up because i blacked out again okay uh, so i passed out again while laying there so i'm assuming they sort of picked me up and get running because then i woke up again as they was trying to work out how to get me down a cliff into the bottom of a wadi where the Kajibak vehicle was waiting. Do right, they're not calling in helis. Oh, there is a heli, uh, there's Chinook on its way, but that's back at the helipad. They're trying to get me back to the base where the helipad is. Yeah. So you wake up again. Yeah, well, they're trying to discuss how they're going to get me down, and I just sort of looked at them and like, what the fuck are you doing? And just jumped. And luckily, the driver of the vehicle sort of caught me in his arms like a baby. But because I had no body armor helmet on, I was very light. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, uh, he caught me. Yeah, it just worked, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, well, that solves that problem. So they ushered me onto the uh, onto the vehicle. Is your medic still with you? No, medic was dealing with two other casualties. Okay, so, so the, yeah. rest of the rest of the gang are now yeah. taking... Yeah, so I was, I was the, I'm assuming I did have a medic of some description, but I don't remember yeah. them being there. So, yeah, because on that day we took five casualties. All from that incident. All from that that assault and withdrawal. So there was the platoon signaller. He got two gunshot wounds. There was me with my gunshot wound and shrapnel wounds, and then two other lads was peppered head to toe with forty mil grenade shrapnel, and one of the other lads was peppered head to toe with RPG shrapnel. So busy the sergeant had a busy day. Yeah. Team commander well, amongst no. all of this. Yeah, platoon commander, every every man and his fucking dog was involved. The company sergeant major was whizzing people around on his quad bike. It was fucking carnage, from what I was told. I, I, I don't recall any of this because I was dealing with not trying to die. So um, you, you, you get put in this wagon, tracked it back to the base. Yeah, so they sort of ushered me onto the back of this wagon. And this is, that's where Gordon and one of the other casualties was already sitting. And they had a stretcher. On the on the on the bed of the wagon, and then like three seats either yeah. side, and and I said I can remember walking on and sort of walking up to it and say like No, Gordon, you're in fucking shit state. You need to get on the on the stretcher. And his face was fucking pale. Looked at me and said, No, mate, you need to be on the stretcher. And I was, and it was at that point it sort of dawned on me, Ah, this is bad. This is very bad. And and then I sort of stumbled onto it and then that was about it woke up back at helipad, uh, helipad and the only female we had attached to us uh, at that uh, forward operating base was a, a female from the artillery that was on the drones yes yeah so yeah so she met us at the helipad and she was sort of trying to give care uh, as best as she can um and i just thought you know what i'm gonna start chat chatting this chick up so that's what I did. So as I was, I was always waiting for the Chinook to come in. It was really fucking hard because I remember it. Because I, I said to her, oh, can I can I call you Lucy? Not a fucking clue what her name was. But I said to her, oh, can I call you Lucy? Because that's what my fiance's name is um, at the time. And I was like, and she was like, you can call me whatever the fuck you want. Just don't die on me. And I was like, oh, sweet, okay. 
So then, yeah, so they're just like, do you come here often? And, you know, yeah, do you want to get a drink back when we, you know, when we get back? And she was like, you are just chatting for your shit, what the fuck? Because <laughs> yeah. you don't really know what's happening. Yeah, because I, yeah, I just got into full shock mode and I was yeah. just blabbing. So you then get shoved on the Chinook. Yeah, I walk onto the Chinook. So uh, I walked on, sat down, full Medi team, ready to go. Yeah. And they was like really confused. Because they was saying they was told they had a T one, which was me. Yeah. Um. And they were like, "Oh, where the fuck is he? Where's the T one?" And I just walked past him and sat down. And they was like, "Oh shit, it's him." Um. But at that point, I was getting strapped in by the load masters, the crewmen. Yeah. And as he got up to then walk away and strap the next one in, I sort of grabbed him and says, "Oh, oh, have you got any pain relief? My head is fucking killing me." And he was just looked at me in pure shock, like, "What?" He's. This yeah, is him. Because apparently by this point the swelling had really started and I had a fucking second head on the yeah. go. Yeah, so it was it's pretty gnarly. And then yeah, and then the rest was history. I blacked out on the on the Chinook and, and woke up in, in Birmingham. Okay, so but what you know is that you went back to Bastion? I think so. I mean they must have stabilized yeah, it was, it you was, before it, getting you to Birmingham, yeah, right? It was, it was either Bastion or Kandahar. Right. I mean, this is the extraordinary thing. You're on a Chinook and then you wake up in Birmingham's. Yeah. Is your next conscious uh, I, I actually woke up in Queen Elizabeth. And you you, you wake there. From... And the first question out of my mouth was, how the fuck did you get here, mum? Because your mum's by your bed. Yeah. And you're uh, going, that's... well, I'm still in Afghanistan, yeah. so how did you get here? Well, I is thought, what you're thinking. No, well, I actually thought I was in Pakistan. Okay. Which apparently happens quite often. Okay. In Birmingham, um, that's all I'm going to say on that. But yeah. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, the nursing staff. Yeah, I, yeah, I asked my mum, "How the fuck did you get here? You haven't got a passport." Yeah. And yeah, she was yeah. like, "Well, where the fuck do you think we are?" And I was like, "Well, we're in Pakistan, aren't we?" And my mum looked at horror at the nurses, and they were like, "No, no, it's fine. It happens all the time." Yeah, so mum was like, oh my fucking God, I wish the world was swallowing me up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we're out of a six-day coma. So it's six days? Yeah, I was in a six-day coma. Uh, so from flash to bang, from injury day, shot day, yeah. to Birmingham, six days have passed. Yeah. And you've had multiple surgeries that you don't know about? No, I don't think so. No. at that So at that point, it was, it was just trying to stabilise me because I... On the flight back from Afghanistan, they actually they actually put a flight on to get me back to the UK because they wasn't sure I was going to make it, and they wanted because they're thinking that there's a lot of brain swelling yeah. and brain yeah. damage going on. Yeah, because although they've got state of the art facilities out there, yeah, it's not what we've got in the UK. Sure. So they was yeah we need to get them fucking back. Yeah. So at the very off, least. So you got a very so expensive flight. Yeah, but the one that Alex Harrison. And it was even more expensive for Birmingham International because when I got over the top of Birmingham International, I flatlined twice. So the medical staff had to, on the plane, had to stabilise me before the plane was allowed to change altitude. So I closed... So, so, I closed so, so rather, I mean, you, you very nonchalantly sort of, oh yeah, you're shot in the head and you get it some shrapnel and then this and that. But actually, it's a very severe injury. Oh, yeah. And by the time you're put on that Chinook, the rest of the world are now very concerned, the medical world that are looking yeah. after you. Yeah, and, yeah, they were, they were pretty... So you're into a coma, induced coma? Yeah, yeah, I was 
apparently I was induced on the Chinook, which okay. I don't remember any fucking needles getting stuck in me, but... You don't remember anything? Yes. So you're waking up six days later in Birmingham, you flatlined twice on the plane. Yeah. Birmingham because your body is getting shock or in yeah, it's something what? to do with blood pressures and stuff uh, which which closed Birmingham International Airport down for four hours which apparently pissed a lot of people off <laughs> it's the least they can do yeah um, so yeah. you then awake yeah. mum's at the bed and and when do you realize that actually what the extent of your injury is it's at that point it hadn't really set in I was still a bit confused of like well, where the fuck am I how did I get here what the fuck's gone on? And then it was... I can remember the doctor sort of giving me a brief outline of what had happened, which was still even more confusing for me because I'm not a fucking doctor and he was saying it in doctor talk. So I was like, non, really none the wiser. And then it was after that, shortly after that, my mum... Because uh, they thought originally I'd been hit with an RPG. It's... So they thought it was a blast injury. Which it wasn't, it was a gunshot injury. Yeah. Uh, so there was still a lot of confusion amongst them. Um, and then, so basically, it's a lot of confusion going on. And it, it was a couple of days after I'd woken up that it really set in that, uh, okay, yeah, that, that was that's pretty gnarly. So mm. for, 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 for the benefit of our listeners, as you sit here before me today, your round has entered by your temple. Yeah. It's tracked round in your skull yeah sort of come across to the back of my eyes my eyeball the eye socket pushed my eyeball up into my brain to give me frontal lobe damage uh, and then bounced off the bottom of my eye socket next and to my nose and chipped out and bounced so it sort of scooped round in that eye socket that yeah. curved eye socket has driven the round rather than going continuing into your brain and good night yeah. vienna yeah. it's pushed it round and out yeah so you lose your your right eye yeah and you lose you lose some brain or, uh, well, or it's just been damaged yeah it's, it's, it's still there it's just yeah. damaged um, so from the load damage so that's like cognitive thinking and stuff okay like i had to had to relearn how to like make cups of tea and stuff and make do it in the right order uh, okay because like when i first got home I, I i went to make a cup of tea for me and my mom but then put the fucking milk in the kettle the tea bag in the fridge and daft shit like that. And oh, it just because okay. my brain was just yeah, not yeah, right. in the right so, order okay. or won't allow me to do it in the right order. Okay. So yeah, so it's like I could walk so, and talk and do everything, you know, everything is normal. It's just like few things got, of normal daily living. Up. Yeah, it just got a bit got so, a bit So the the shrapnel to the arse, the breathing, all of that settles sorts itself out and yeah. there's no repercussions from any of them. I've got scar tissue in my airways from Red Fastwood, that that's about it. Okay, and you're dippy and I really. (laughs) Quite a journey. It's a it's a lot of information, isn't it? Well, it's just interesting from difficult, obviously, for our listeners. But visually, physically, the only thing is a missing eye. But actually, the trauma of that and the induced coma, the flatlining, and all of the you know, it's a major, it's a major thing. But if I just look at you front on, and in fact, if I don't see you front on, I would you'd be hard pushed to say. Yeah, there was any yeah. any 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 injury at all. That's it. So they've done an amazing job on enhancing your looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I do get better looking because I can't. I have got a fake eye that I can't put in. So, but yeah. I just I just choose not to wear it anymore. Yeah, it's just ball ache. Okay, so you're you're nineteen years old. 
and it's 2007. You get out of Birmingham, your, your surgeries. Three surgeries to piss about in my eye socket. First one, obviously, taking my eye out. But yeah. before they did that, they used endless tests to, to see if they could get any vision back in it. Because your eye is still okay. Yeah, because at that point, my, my eye was still in. Oh, okay. I was still there. Right. It was just full of blood. So they'd put like electrodes on the back of my head. They're trying to work then, out whether or not they can get it to work. Yeah. Okay. And there was very slight signal getting through, but the decision was made from the medical staff that it's probably going to cause more damage to try and clean it. Just take it out. Did a short period at Headley Court. And, and that, that's when PTSD really kicked in. I was going to say, so you, you go through all of this and you're now... Clearly wounded. You're at Headley Court. PTSD raises his ugly head. Yeah. How did that manifest itself? To start with, it was hitting a drink like a freight train. Just just trying to drown out sounds, voices, chaos. The uh, whole carnage. Yeah, just trying to get. Yeah, just trying to escape mm-hmm. what my head was manifesting. Yeah. Um, and also it was a a way of releasing. A little bit of anger because it wasn't just going out and getting levered it was going out getting levered and picking a fight with the biggest bloke i could find so it was yeah really angry really sort of lost pissed off with the world with and myself. you're still you're still in the army though you're 19 you still yeah. haven't been medically discharged yet not as yet no and ptsd treatment does that happen for you no because it's undiagnosed or you're burying it. Just burying it. Putting and, but it, you're now what, back at home with Mum and Lincoln? Yeah, so yeah, when I got out of hospital, I was, I was sent home on sick leave in the assumption that I'd go back to the battalion when they come back off tour. So I was just told, right, next five months, just kick around at home. You know, we'll give you a call every couple of weeks yeah. just to sort of check in. Um, and because... I was attached to the Royal Anglians. You got lost in the system. Yeah, Don't got tell lost me. In the, yeah, got lost in the system. They so think I, you're being looked after. Yeah. The other side think they're looking after you. Yeah. So there was no official sort of uh, handover in, of you. Yeah, internal handover yeah. from the Vikings back to the to the guards. So yeah. I just got lost. So I just yeah for, well I was I was still getting phone calls and told to turn up a battalion to to sign this sign that do this they did um a return back to work thing where they put me in a job in the stores fucking hated it because yeah. I was an infantry not a yeah, storeman yeah, yeah. but they're trying yeah. to keep you in the tribe right yeah they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, try, they're trying their hardest to keep me in no, it's just for PTSD. sure because they know that that's one of the you know the pride it, isn't it yeah. well but you know here's a kid who joins the army at 16 yeah. 19 you get wounded and your life Suddenly rips yeah. you know, the, the dream job, the thing you wanted to get you out of the council estate, yeah. is disappearing before your eyes. So your yeah. desire to stay in the tribe keeps a check of the PTSD. You're amongst kindred spirits. Mm. So yeah, I guess they'll look for any job for you. Yeah, yeah. And you're going, but I want to be a grunt because that's what I was. Yep. So if after I... a while, it doesn't work out. No. So I did like this three week back to work yeah. scheme um, and I was more pissed off than when I started and I was just like no I'm on out get me out I'm fucking done with this yeah so then that's when the medical yeah, yeah. board started so they gave me a medical discharge so you're out in 2009 
Yeah. 18 months of swanning around and pissing people off. <laughs> From Vincerita actually getting out. Yeah. So you then leave, medical discharge, you get an insurance payout, you get your pension. How does that all work? So, yeah. What so happens? Um, Armed Forces Compensation Scheme, they, they had a representation representative at Headley Court, which helped me do my claims. Yeah. That you, went off. You did, you, you did your packs insurance before uh, you went? I had abacus and I had one fucking unit. You didn't uh, get enough? Uh, I only had one unit because I was bulletproof. I was 19 and I thought, nah, it's never going to happen to me. And the most units you can buy is? 15. And you bought one. So that paid you out next to nothing. 10 grand. Which they, which they were being dickheads about paying me out. They yeah. paid you out in the end. Yeah, they, paid, they only could be mum kicked off. But you got but one yeah. unit. Yeah. So your advice to any young bulletproof yes. soldier now is buy as, many as you, buy as many yeah. as you can every Take time. Take the full package. Uh, uh, this has gone on quite a long time, so I just want to wrap up, although we could talk all day. You're 36 years old now. Yeah. You've been out since 2009. And just very briefly, what are the charities who've got involved with you that have helped you are who and uh, how? And tell us a little bit about what you do now. Okay, so the charities I've been involved with are Blesmer, Colonel's Fund, uh, the Not Forgotten Association. I think that's about it. Okay. Uh, I've had... I know you've been on a few trips with the skiing. Yeah, with Blesmer, yeah. So Bles- uh, to be fair, Blesmer's been blinded. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, they, they've sent me all over the bloody world, they have. They've been Colorado four times? Four times, I think? Yeah, I uh, remember, skiing. yes. Uh, I've been scuba diving in the Red Sea. I've been to France snowboarding. So Blesma's been brilliant. Yeah, Blesma's been and, really and, good, yeah. And, but who sort of picks you picks you up and helps you with your your PTSD, your your things like that? So it was Matt Elmer. He, who is the, yeah, he's the regimental reg, regimental, car, uh, regimental casualty. casualty officer for the Grenadier Guards, yeah. And he um, works for the Colonel's Fund. Yes. Okay. So yeah, so he, me and him got into contact when I approached the regiment for a little bit of financial help to get my business off the ground because I, I started a landscaping company back in two thousand and sixteen, and uh, so I approached uh, the regiment for a bit of financial help and because I'd had no contact with the regiment since getting out I didn't know who to contact yeah yeah sure uh, so I, uh, but, I, I, I but, but, but and they haven't contacted you no it, it's literally I, I am what you know when they say oh they slipped through the net I was one of them people I and I can only put it down to being on the Vikings battle group casualty list not the grenadiers and just amazing just, that the Grenadiers yeah. sort of went, well, we sent a section away from the Queen's Company and only X have well, come they, back. When they, when that I mean, tour finished... Know, did they, they not do a head count and go, right, well, where's all his kit? Yeah. Well, I think they did, but there was just like, well, oh, Harrison, yeah, he's injured. But then that was it. Nobody they, then went, Yeah, nobody okay. went, well, okay, but where is he? That's dreadful. It, it, it happens. I know, I know. Yeah. Well, you're very graceful about yeah. it. But it, I, I don't, it, it, I don't like throwing shade when I don't I, have no, to. No, 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 totally. It's... But there's five years there where you could have been in a mess. I was in probably, a mess. And you were in a mess. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and, I went and... through, so in that, in that five years, I did, uh, my missus put me on the, start, uh, on the spot and told me that if I don't get some sort of help, uh, the kids going. are leaving. 
which was enough of a kick up the arse for me to go to the doctors and get my first bout of counselling through the NHS. Okay. And at that time, the uh, PTSD was becoming a known thing then. So it was like all this veteran priority started coming about. So I like jumped through the front of the queue. Okay. And it, it did, it, like, I was really looked after by the NHS at that point. Awesome. So yeah, that did sort of work. But then I sort of fell out of that because I was going on a trip. And then yeah, life just got messy and then something else happened. And So yeah. now, so the regiment pick you up. The yeah, Colonel's yeah. Fund picks you up, gives you a bit of money. You set your business up. Yeah. And then they'd be taking interest in your welfare. You're on Ever the radar since, yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. And so you're in a good place now. Oh, yeah. I've been, yeah. So a few years ago, I, I, I say a few, but it was more than a few. I bought him in 2018. I, I, I got a little off the rails again and uh, ended up in court because I battered the shit out of someone, of which that's when Matt Elmer stepped in and says, Right, no, we're going to get you some help. And put me on to walking with the wounded. And they put me through a 12-week counselling session with a private counsellor, of which I kept on for that. For and In total, I did three and a half years on a weekly basis of psychotherapy, which has really fucking straightened me out. And, yeah. And, and walking, sort of walking with the wounded put you on that path? Yeah. Okay. It's been fucking mental, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it, you know, it has been proper mental yeah. because the well-rounded young man that I know and have come across and had the great pleasure of going down the Yukon with, the rest of this stuff isn't very evident yeah. in in the man that I meet and I'm, I'm very good at putting a face on. I've been doing it my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Wow. So all's well now. Yeah, yeah. The missus is still with you. Yeah. The kids have appeared. Yeah. And your landscaping business is on hold while you're building your extension, yeah. putting in your kitchen, sorting out your house, and then it's back to the drawing board for what next for Alex? Oh, don't know. Who See knows? what happens. <laughs> but you're in a good space now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, best place I've ever been. That's, well, that's good to know. Alex, the charities that you've looked after, who would you highlight were the ones if, if, if any of the listeners wanted to uh, donate to anything, where would you where would you point somebody? Not forgotten. The Colonel's Fund Bless is well. yeah, so all yeah. of them. Any yeah. all and any yeah. of the above. Yeah, even the NHS. Yeah, <laughs> even there's a there's a new new one, you probably haven't even heard of them. It's called Behind the Heroes. It's a little a couple out of Huddersfield do amazing things. Okay. Yeah. I'll look them up. Brilliant. Alex, that's been amazing. Thank you very much. We're going to draw this one to a close. I'm sorry it's been a bit longer, but I am hope that you're still listening and you're still here and uh, you've been as engrossed with this story as I have. But that's how it is for a young 19-year-old infantryman when uh, you run across the open ground and do what your platoon sergeant tells you and life takes a different course. Um, that's war that's how it is Alex thanks very much for your time and right. thanks for sharing your story that's really great it's alright no dramas good on you thanks for having me on pleasure if you want to make any comments 
please just leave the messages in the various social media platforms that you can find me on. I'm Ben Stevens, and I will be with you with another episode of Talking with the Wounded very soon. Thanks very much. Bye.